when you've really gone and done it this time and you've really screwed up and you've really burned down your entire life, it can be easier to ask forgiveness from those you've hurt and those you've affected than ask for forgiveness from yourself. When you're in that shame spiral and you don't know how to get out, what do you do? Fortunately for me, today's letter writer found me and reached out, and I'm honored and humbled to have this human conversation on the show. Welcome to Business Mindset Mastery. I'm your host, Heather Gray. I guide you through these hard conversations and get you to the other side. I'm a mindset and leadership expert. I work with business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs over at heathergrayconsulting.com. And we are not afraid to have the hard conversations on this show. This brave listener is not afraid to reach out and ask for help. And I will be unafraid in assisting her. Thank you for joining me today. I don't think that any of us can get through life without a major F up or two. We've all really gone and done it at some point. And I think sometimes when we're younger, we're blessed with this sort of cultural permission, if you will, to screw up. And we have more cultural permission to kind of bounce back and reinvent ourselves. I can think back to some early career screw ups I had where I sort of used tough love in bad places and really hurt clients. I can think of times in friendships when I just was so mean and so cutting and I didn't need to be. And while I felt bad for a little while, it did really feel like once I apologized and once I you know, sort of asked for forgiveness and accepted responsibility, it was easier to move on. As I've gotten older, I have to tell you, I don't have as easy of a time of it anymore. I feel like because I know myself so well, because I'm on this personal development journey, because I preach personal development all the time in my business and on this show, that I somehow now with this self-awareness hold myself to a higher responsibility. I can tell you about the most inappropriate thing I said to a client a couple of years ago that was the result of my own burnout in my business and it had nothing to do with her and how I still think about it and I still wish I could take back those words because sometimes when we know better, it is so hard to forgive ourselves. I can think of fights I've had with my husband where I've just gotten so good and mad and I've said like a couple of things because you know me like if I can understand you I can say the things that can cut you too and I've gone and I've slammed a door and not used my words and not communicated effectively and how bad and gross that feels when I know better but at the end of the day we all have our screw-ups and we're all human and we do have to find our way to the other side of it Now, today's listener, I'm kind of blown away by her vulnerability and her authenticity and her honesty, and I hold it in such high regard that I'm trusted. I want to remind everybody that, you know, I only have the information that I'm given in a letter most of the time. Sometimes it's like a former client or, you know, someone I've engaged with online through social media or something, and I'll have some sort of, uh, you know, peripheral awareness, but I've never met this person before. 
before. Um, I don't know a lot. Um, I did reach out to kind of follow up on a more personal level because again, her letter was so incredibly personal to me, but it does look like she wants her um, anonymity and I received a generic email address and um, my letter back to her went unresponsive. So I am going to be sending a link to this episode to that generic email. Hopefully she'll know that I did this episode, but I think that this is a conversation that she was brave enough to start for all of us. And if we can be brave enough to have it with her and look at ourselves and look at the choices and how do we get on the other side of bad moves and bad decisions and impulsive things, I think we can open ourselves up to real healing, real recovery, and we can become better versions of ourselves. But we can't do that until we're willing to let go of the dead weight. So her letter, her letter is rather long. So I'm just going to ask that you bear with me while I read it. I had contemplated editing it down, but I do, I want to honor her story. I want to honor her journey. So I'm going to read all of it and then I'll find you guys on the other side. Okay, here goes. Heather. I know you're going to be tempted to tell me to head right to Brene Brown, but I've already done that and she's not helping. I'm stuck in a major shame spiral and I can't get myself out of it. In January of 2018, I returned early from work with a head cold in the beginning of a migraine coming on. My husband was in the kitchen with another woman and they weren't just having coffee. I did what I needed to do. I accepted that my marriage was over because this was honestly just a symptom of a marriage that had been dead for years. I couldn't even bring myself to be outraged about it, although I wish they had chosen another location other than where I have my morning coffee. That was unfortunate. My husband and I had stayed together simply because we hadn't figured out a way to separate. He had stayed home with our kids while I ran my company. I decided it was easier to just get him his own place that had room for our kids to visit him and to set him up with a bank account and move ahead with divorce proceedings. So that's what we did without too much of a fuss or too much of a mess. We'd both been at fault. While I never fell prey to infidelity, he could fairly accuse me of exiting our marriage with work and board opportunities I kept signing on for. It wasn't just him. It was me too. I own it. When he was finally out of the house last March, I felt free. I felt pride. I felt alive. I wasn't settling. I wasn't numb. I was all in on my life. I started working out at a local Orange Theory and I got myself into shape. I found a confidence and a boldness I had never experienced. And Heather, I became someone driven by her own damned ego. It all went to my head. The pendulum swung from numbed out and checked out to which express. And the past 12 months, I've gotten caught backstabbing a friend, have slept with a married man, and have made some ruthless business decisions that hurt people needlessly. I don't know what has happened to me, really, but it's like my life has run away from me. I caught up with myself, and I had a long, hard look in the mirror. I think I saw for 30 minutes straight just staring at myself and what I've become. I don't know how this happened. I don't know who I am. I always listen to your show, and I think I have it all together. And as I started listening to older episodes, episodes of yours, all I could think was that I am officially the worst of your entire bunch. I am ready to be done with this nonsense. When you've really gone and effed it all up, 
Where the heck do you begin in liking yourself again? I've always been good at holding accountability with myself. I've owned my stuff with the people I've hurt, and I've explained their hurt was truly my fault, and they were undeserving of it. I have softened the blows where I can professionally and fixed the harsh consequences people were experiencing as a result of my actions in business. But that's as far as I've gotten. I just don't like myself. I've done self-forgiveness exercises. I've tried self-meditation. I've tried digital detoxing. And I have tried a lot in recent months to recover and heal. But all I feel is deep shame for the hateful person I've become. And I fear the day when I become her again. Where do I begin? Okay, well, first you begin um, by listening and being gentle with yourself and taking a really big, deep, cleansing breath. (laughs) And if you know anything about me, you know that those words don't come out of my mouth very often. But you really do need to breathe. I understand what it's like to realize that you've just really gone and done it. And you've really become a version of yourself that's rather unlikable to you. And I understand too that you can go and you make amends and you receive forgiveness and you can still feel like crap. And I'm so sorry that you still have to feel that part. But I have to be honest with you that I'm also really glad. Because this is you not being checked out anymore. This is you not being numb to your experience. You didn't have any kind of organization mentally and emotionally for yourself when you walked in on your husband that day. And so you just kind of shut down and put the garage door down on all of your feelings, all of your emotions. You made it an intellectual exercise and you just picked up the logistical pieces. But my friend, I don't think you picked up the emotional pieces. I don't think you sort of gave yourself permission, regardless of what you think you played into this, regardless of all the things you could have, should have, would have done. I don't think in any of this, you gave yourself permission to feel what it felt like to walk in on your husband that day in your own home, in your own private space. Your world stopped feeling safe, predictable, and orderly. And so you worked really damn hard to get that order back, but you skipped a couple of steps. You skipped the grief and the trauma and the loss that comes from the ending of a marriage and that comes from being on the receiving end of betrayal. And one of the things that I noticed that you did right away is you owned your part in it. And I want you to think about that. You owned your part in your husband's cheating in your own home. Where in that is there any sort of room for him to own his part? You said, I exited in my work. I went to board meetings. I kept myself busy. I checked out. Maybe you even kind of know and own realistically that you were the first person to check out in your marriage. But what you did in sort of taking all of the ownership and setting him up with an apartment and making it so he could visit the kids and setting him up with a bank account was you took total control so that you would never sort of need to hear him 
him say sorry. You would never need him to hear, like, have him accept his part of responsibility. You just went towards total control. And if you can make yourself the problem, you created it so you were the solution. But what ends up happening and what you're experiencing and why you can't get out of this shame spiral isn't because of all the things you've done. It's because you're carrying things that are not your responsibility to carry. That so often is the root of shame. The other stories of other people that we internalize or personalize and make it about ourselves because we think, well, if I can just accept this, if I can just accept responsibility for this, then I'm going to feel better. Because if I'm blaming him and I'm telling him how he embarrassed me and how he made me feel small and how like awful that was to happen in my own family home and what it must have been like if the kids had walked in home early from school or something like that, then I am left vulnerable because he might not accept responsibility and he might not apologize and he might not see what he did as hurtful. So you protected yourself from an additional rejection by taking more responsibility for this event than was yours to hold. And then to top it all off, you did yourself even worse by not giving yourself permission to be sad and to grieve and to be angry and to feel embarrassed and to feel scared. You skipped all of the hard and you went right to resolution. But think about what you were talking about. You went to a gym. I'm assuming based on when you said pendulum that that means you got yourself in good, fine looking shape. And then you got down to business. But the business you got to down to was the business of getting even. Those actions you took, yes, they're about ego, but they're also about trying to get healthy control of a situation that doesn't feel like you have control in. So you were trying to control all the moving parts and making decisions. Like I I understand it sounds like you made some really ruthless, hurtful decisions in business that were unnecessary, but that action is a puffed up version of you because you made choices from a place of feeling small you made choices that did damage. And what you need to do in order to really release the shame isn't just to understand it and to have some compassion for yourself and to have some empathy for yourself, but is also doing the work that doesn't make you feel small. So when you go to the gym and you're working out, what are the thoughts and feelings you're having? Are you paying attention to how quickly you can get on the rowing machine? Are you paying attention to how strong your body is? Are you feeling how much you're physically capable of and appreciating yourself for it in an inward direction? Or are you on that rowing machine with something to prove? Because you are never going to prove anything to yourself. If you're constantly zooming out the lens and the camera scanning for what other people think of you and what other people make of a, you know, of the life you've built and the decision you've made and how you've responded. I love that you can see that this marriage was 
dead in the water. I appreciate that you didn't feel particularly betrayed because this was somebody that you hadn't been particularly connected to for a while. And as a result, you may have a different experience with infidelity than some people, but you are having an experience as the recipient of infidelity and you haven't acknowledged it with yourself. So it is oozing everywhere. It's oozing in your behavior. It's oozing in your mannerisms and your body language. And so one of these things that when we've really gone and done it, and we've really, you know, gotten in the mud and we've done the thing, it becomes, you know, this is an immovable object in my life now, regardless of what I want. Like, yes, I slept with a married man. Yes, I was ruthless in business. Yes, I did X, Y, Z. But now that you know, now that you're connecting head to heart, and you're really paying attention, and you're really doing the work, who do you want to be as the result of being someone who was in this kind of marriage, who lived this kind of life, and had that kind of relationship? Given what has happened, Who do you want to be? Because here's the thing, right? This is what I built my business on. This is what I built my foundation on. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, like you said, you know that I really believe that we cannot create situations where life is just happening to us. And that's our story. Because sometimes life is happening around us. It's not actually happening to us. And we are not the victims. But regardless of what's happening around us or to us, we get absolute control in who we are and how we respond to that situation. And I feel like what you might have learned and what you might have experienced in this is that just handling the logistics to be like, all right, you're with someone else, clearly, so let's set you up with an apartment. Okay, you haven't worked in a number of years because you stayed home with the kids. Let me set you up with a bank account. Okay, you might need to see the kids, so let me set you up with an apartment that allows you to see the kids so they can have their own room. And you just took care of the details, but you didn't take care of the experience. And everything that's happened next has been this control battle to own your life again. And because you feel out of control, because you're scrambling, one bad decision leads to another bad decision leads to another bad decision. But if you can say, you know, I learned something in my marriage. I spent years in a dead-end marriage simply because I didn't know how to get out. And I said a whole hell of a lot of yes when I really wanted to say no. And I don't want to be that person anymore. Well, then who do you want to be? And how do you want to spend your time? And given that you were hurt or given that you were embarrassed, how do you want to move through the world? How do you want to let this experience change you? Now, one of the things that you know, I think about as I, you know, I listen to your story here and I know this is an infantile example and this isn't going to work because like I said at the beginning of the episode, I think it's easier when we're kids. But, you know, you've heard me probably say on the show a couple of times now that one of my most embarrassing moments happened in seventh grade when I got really publicly caught in a lie that I had told and it was quite the extravagant lie and I always think that the bigger the lie, the bigger the fall. Um, And I was 
just humiliated. Um, and I remember like just that, that feeling of not wanting to go to school the next day and just wanting to run away from my life and have the earth swallow me whole. And I remember as I was walking to the front door, I just said like, I never want to feel this again. So whatever I was feeling that made me lie, I would rather live with that feeling than the feeling of being embarrassed and called out and having everybody know I'm never going to lie again. And I really like have made a very deliberate choice in the way I move through the world that I sit in that natural consequence way longer than I ever needed to for many years longer than I needed to. But I never wanted to be the person who felt that way. What you're identifying for yourself is you don't want to be the person who makes other people feel small or who holds other people's commitments with disregard simply because somebody did that to you. And, you know, and, you know, and how you organize your experience of that. So what that means is you then get to decide who you're going to be as somebody who's been changed by this. So, you know, one of the things that I said too at the beginning of the show is my biggest mistakes (laughs) have come from my mouth. (laughs) Um, Either because I've gotten exceptionally unfairly mean um, or because in my passion to help clients I've used tough love that was just a whole hell of a lot of tough and didn't have enough love. And as a result, I've said to myself as a personal guidepost and as a personal measuring stick in my work that I'm never going to use sarcasm to make a point. And while you will hear me deliver truth bombs on the show, you will hear me make fun of situations online that I encounter in business, you will hear me mock occurrences that happen on a general basis, I work really hard to ensure that my words never make someone feel small. They might make them feel like they have to accept responsibility. They might make them feel like a mirror is being held up and they have to look at themselves and be honest with themselves, but I am never going to drive a point home with tough love or sarcasm, even though like I know my good intent, because what I've seen is that regardless of what my intent is, if somebody is not in a space to hear sarcasm, which is typical when they're not making decisions that feel good, I don't want to do damage. And so I think that you went to this place of fixing, 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 and undoing, undoing, undoing. But, you know, one of the things you said is, how do I forgive myself? You know, one of the other things I want to ask you here is, have you really given yourself permission to forgive yourself? You are so mad at yourself, and you think that <laughs> you think that what you did is the worst of the bunch, and I've done 300 episodes. I wouldn't even begin to decide for myself who... <laughs> Like, who's the worst of the bunch? And at the end of the day, it's probably me. The only way I've gotten this wise and this insightful is by mucking it all up myself. But, you know, you were in this place of deciding you were the lowest common denominator. You were the worst thing ever. Well, are you willing to have that not be true? Like, are you willing to be somebody 
who sleeps with a married man, who is unnecessarily ruthless and cutting in business, um, and be somebody who does those things and finds self-forgiveness. Because sometimes people are just married to their mistakes because forgiving themselves feels unacceptable, feels too close like saying that what you did is okay, rather than, hey, I tried to skip the grieving part in my marriage, and as a result, I was a real jerk to people I didn't need to be a jerk to. I am never going to, you know, take my bad mood out on other people. I am never going to use my business as a weapon when I'm feeling angry. But before any of that can happen, you have to decide if you're willing to forgive yourself because it doesn't really matter. Like you're never going to get out of the shame spiral. You keep telling me you can't and you keep telling me you want to. But the root of that is that you have to be willing to forgive yourself. You have to be willing to admit your human frailty, to recognize that you took a left when you should have gone right, that you strayed from your own personal values, that you strayed from center. Some of this is the natural consequence of making that choice, but we are not destined to sit in the consequence of our mistakes for the rest of our lives. Sometimes our mistakes are going to have relational consequences. Some of them are going to come with logistical consequences, but not everything and not the whole thing. And the first step of this process, my friend, is self-forgiveness. Recognizing that in a moment of impulsivity or in many moments of impulsivity, you went left of center and you betrayed yourself. But that you are deciding to believe that that those bad couple of months or this bad year is not going to define you. And going forward, you are going to own the definition of you, what you want your life to look like, how you want to be spending your time, what your values are, what matters to you, what you're going to prioritize, how you are going to live your life in such a way that fills you with pride and self, you know, self contentment, really. Because what we want to do is get you to a place where you can be at peace with yourself. Because then everything that happens next can come from new goals and new visions you have for yourself that usually only emerge and make themselves, you know, to, uh, you know, bring themselves to our awareness once we've given ourselves permission for our lives to be better than what they are right now. And my guess is you probably haven't given yourself that permission. You haven't set yourself up for that kind of success. Yes, of course, I would want to send you to Brene Brown. But if you're reading Brene and it's not working, then, you know, not because I think she's like, I do think she's the saint of all things boundaries and shame related, but I don't think her words are the be all and end all because I do think that a part of this is making the conscious choice to be somebody who believes that we are capable and deserving of second chances and that you want your do over and you want your second chance. And you are going to recognize that some people might never forget what you've done. Other people may never forgive what you've done, but you are going to give yourself permission to accept what has happened to you, to fix the consequences that are, you know, you're capable of fixing, and you are going to allow yourself a third act a new version. You had your marital version. You had your post-marital version. That one didn't work out so well for you. So you are going to give yourself a third act. 
But the other piece to this, some of this, you know, and I'm starting to sound like a broken record. I recognize that my past couple of episodes have had the, you know, the same messaging attached to it, but I do think it's so critical and so crucial to the work that I do. But like, who are you now? Because if you were in a dead end relationship where your needs weren't getting met and you were fine with that and you just ran to work and you, you know, sort of garage doored it and, you know, like, um, you know, didn't and numbed out and didn't deal, then who else were you not connecting with? Because when we garage door it and we say, oh, I'm in this marriage because I don't know how to get out. Well, we don't let the light in either. So it's not like we let the joy in. We don't don't let the good in. We don't make memories. We don't make connections. We don't, you know, bring pleasure into our life. We're typically, you know, if we're numbed out and checked out, we're numbed out and checked out on all eight cylinders. So liking yourself again and accepting yourself again when you don't really know yourself and you don't know how to spend time with yourself can often be confusing. So one of the things I would start to do in this journey of self-forgiveness in this this decision to give yourself permission to let go of the shame is to figure out who you are now. Because nobody can make us feel a certain way without our permission. And you have been giving yourself a lot of permission to feel like crap for a really long time. And while you did things that hurt other people, you are now aware of this. You don't have a life that's built on intending to hurt more people. You want to make repairs and you want to make amends. The only way that really works is if you connect back to other people. But before you do that, you have to connect back to yourself. You have to grieve the loss of the marriage. You have to let go of any anger, resentment, and hurt that's happened, obviously, but you can't let it go until you acknowledge it and feel it and give yourself permission to work through it. Um, this might be one of those times when you want to get yourself a coach. You might want to get yourself you know, a therapist or somebody who can help you with personal development. I think sometimes this stuff is really hard to do alone because we can't see your our own blind spots, but that, you know, you, you got to work on the relationship you're having with yourself because my guess is since you've numbed out, you stopped doing that too. So it starts with permission. It continues with getting to know yourself. And then it continues even further by living the life that's consistent with the woman you want to be and the work you want to be doing. I, I, there's no way I could attack all of this in a singular podcast episode. And I don't imagine that that's what you expected. This is just the guidebook. This is like the cliff notes. You're going to have to do some good, honest work around this. I would spend some time journaling. I would write letters to yourself around what you're thinking and what you're feeling and what you want to have happen next. And that anytime you find yourself stuck in the weeds, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd be glad to work with you. And th- you know, this invitation, extends to anybody listening. If you're just in this stuck spot in life and you can't get out of your own way and happiness seems so gosh darn far away, like, please just like, you know, reach out to me, Heather at heathergrayconsulting.com. Um, you can always book a, a time to, you know, meet one another if you think you and I would be a good fit and I could help you through this. I will uh, include a link for that in the show notes as well. But if you just want to reach out and connect, Heather at Heather Gray Consulting is the best 
best way to do that. Thank you so much to the today's letter writer for opening with such a human story that so many of us can relate to. I so appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable and the trust you've placed in me. And I certainly hope you feel supported and cared for in my response. Thank you so much for today. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.